0: Uh, We're reading today from Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Amen.
1: Good morning, Chapel Street. Good morning, morning Chapel Street online as well. Uh, it's lovely to, to be here with you this morning, worshipping with you. Um, I uh, don't have much of an introduction, um, but uh, well, before that I should pray, shouldn't I? So let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we desire this morning to sit under your word and to be taught by you. We desire, Lord, for you to speak to us as a body, to teach us how to um, magnify the greatness of our Savior. We desire, Lord, to live lives worthy of his calling. And Lord, I know that my words will be empty unless you work through them. Lord, we pray that you would um, work by your spirit, that each one of us would be taught, admonished, um, built up in Christ, that we might have a firm uh, faith in the gospel, a greater understanding of the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Just a short reading uh, today, so I thought I'll read it again for us. It's in Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have it open, uh, I would encourage you to do so. It starts from uh, verse 24. Now Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me, and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Um, it's a beautiful passage, isn't it? Um, Paul's been uh, explaining just a bit of context um, the, the gospel itself has been giving us uh, a few different perspectives on the gospel, um, and he's been showing us how we need to hold fast to this gospel. That was the last message that Kev brought to us. Um, but in this message, Paul flips the focus uh, back on himself and his own ministry um, in relation to the gospel. What <clears throat> well, I hope we'll see today Um, is how God works through gospel servants like you and like me, even though we're not the Apostle Paul, how we still have a part to play in making the gospel known. So I have three sections uh, this morning. Firstly, um, we'll look at Paul's goal. What is his goal? Secondly, his message. And then thirdly, his method. he makes that message known so firstly paul's goal Um, as a follow on from the previous section um, paul starts this passage by explaining the role that he's been given by god so in verse 23 um, we read um, if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, that is Paul, became a minister. Firstly, um, Paul is a minister of the gospel. That's um, the focus of his ministry. But then also in verse 25, he unpacks this a bit more. Um, We'll read from verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister. So again, now he's not just a minister of the gospel, but also a minister of the church. Those things can't be um, separated. He's both a minister of the gospel and the church. And what does that entail? Well, a stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God. Known. Um, now when paul says that he's been made a steward um, what he probably has uh, in mind there is uh, a sort of dignified uh, servant right an upper servant that has the responsibility um, to manage the arrangements um, of a family or a household um, and but, but where a normal servant would take care of the physical things the estate and um, the physical needs of the family Paul's duty is to ensure that the household of God that is the church is spiritually nourished that they're fed with the food of truth and how does he do that oh it's by making the word of God fully known um, different translations in interpret this uh, phrase differently um, some renderings uh, give to to fulfill the word of God. Some say um, that Paul's saying, I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. But the core idea is that Paul wants to explain the word of God completely. He doesn't want to miss anything out. Um, And this is what we see, I think, in so many of Paul's letters, is that um, Paul explains the gospel not just in one way, but he looks at different angles of the same uh, gospel. He looks at the gospel in many different lights and unpacks it for us so that we can have a full understanding. Even in the book of Colossians, um, when he started in verse 3, Paul starts by explaining that faith, hope, and love flow forth from the gospel. He describes the gospel as the word of truth. He explains that the gospel bears fruit and is increasing. Then in the next uh, section, the paragraph, he talks about the inheritance that God gives to his people and how they've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of light. Then in verse 15 to 20, um, he talks about Christ's preeminence in relation to the gospel and uh, the link between Christ's work of creation and his work of reconciliation. Then in verses 21 to 23, as Kev showed us, he explains the essential requirement of standing firm in the gospel, of holding fast to it. And then he moves on in our text this morning um, to explain that he um, that the word of the word of God, the mystery, has been revealed. And um, I think what Paul is doing here is is kind of like he's holding up a diamond, and you know a diamond he's got uh, it's got uh, many different facets to it. There are different sides to it, and he, as he holds it up in the light, he says, "Look at this side, and then this side, and then this side." And and the more he does that, the more we can see the fullness and the brilliance of the gospel. And that's you know, similar to what we do here at church. Um, Every Sunday, you don't hear the same sermon. Every Sunday, the word of God is different and and complex and and deep. And as we search into uh, the riches of the gospel, um, we find glory abounding everywhere. And I think uh, one of our biggest difficulties is uh, day-to-day actually believing that. Um, We know that there is a lot of content in the Bible But sometimes we struggle to see the glory of what's in the Bible. Um, We struggle to dive deeper into that glory. How many times have we passed through uh, or passed by a diamond in our daily reading of God's word? Um, We pass through them all the time. How many times has the jewel, which we know is a jewel, just felt dusty? Um, It just feels maybe even boring. And all we need to do is to to rub the dust away, Um, need to inspect and look deeper and then we'll um, see the real glory that's in the gospel. Um, And Paul explains why this is so important, why the word of God needs to be fully known, um, why the diamond needs to be fully inspected. um, And that is so that he can present everyone mature in Christ. Um, The word of God being fully known is is not an end in itself, but Paul seeks and desires for the church to grow into maturity. By maturity, we don't mean being old or um, being traditional uh, or not fun. Um, What he means is uh, at its root, following on from the previous passage, Um, that we've read, Um, it's to hold fast to the gospel, to be standing firm in the gospel. Um, He wants their hold on the gospel to be tighter, their understanding of the gospel to be wider, and their love for the gospel to be deeper. Simply, he wants them to be trusting Christ only and trusting Christ firmly. This is summarized actually in chapter Two, verse five, where he says, For though I am a servant uh, so, sorry, though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. His desire is that the Word would bring this about in them, that their faith would be firm, and they would be anchored in the gospel. For our goal today, um, is, it, is our goal today to be firmly established in this gospel? It can be something that, we, that we're not quite conscious of all the time. Sometimes we're tempted to move on to other things, um, more interesting things perhaps, the less dusty and the more shiny things. So that's his goal we'd be firmly established in it. Secondly, Paul's message. So his message, um, after making the word of God fully known, uh, we read in verse 26. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Firstly, just on that word mystery, um, it's striking to me that uh, the first aspect that Paul wants to talk about is the fact that it was a mystery. Um, you can see, I, I think we can all see that the the um, the substance of the message is in Christ being in us, but he starts. Um, the fact that it was a a mystery and I think at least one reason for that is um, that um, it increases our appreciation um, for the message itself and it grounds us in the fact that um, Paul didn't make this message up Um, rather it's something that always did exist and was hidden from us and was contained in the Old Testament. If we read um, Romans chapter 16, uh, that sheds a little bit of light on this. It's in the benediction that Paul gives to the Romans. In verse 25, he says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and to, to the and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings. So God's made it known through the scriptures. It was there all along, but once we did not have it and now we do. And um, this is another thing I think that we can be tempted to uh, forget in our present day Christianity, um, because historically to us, the gospel has always been so accessible. So um, easy to to access, to hear about, and it's now old news that the Gentiles are included in God's kingdom. Um, But for the Apostle Paul and also um, for the early church, there was a freshness about this message that that arrested them. This was a radical idea that no one um, had ever been given this much information about the gospel before, and no one had ever heard that the Gentiles would be included in the kingdom of God. This was not known to the common Jew before this time. It was not known to uh, the priesthood or the scribes, um, certainly not the Pharisees and certainly not the Gentiles. Um, This was a completely new thing. And even the prophets um, and the men of God from long ago, um, even they, when they looked at the the gospel, they only saw uh, through a a, um, mirror, dimly um and so before the world was largely in darkness the jews saw glimpses of a messiah they saw a law um, they saw mercy and sacrifice but nothing ever came together properly and then suddenly just like that god turns the lights on the news gets out the secret is not a secret anymore And all the pieces can finally come together. Um, One commentator, John Davenant, describes it like this. uh, Those prophetic revelations, which is the Old Testament, were but like a candle shining in a dark place in comparison of the declarations of the evangelists, which is present day, Mm -hmm. which are like the midday sun. They... Those in the Old Testament looked to this future calling of the Gentiles, but only as through twilight, very indistinctly. We look upon it in the clear and open daylight. What we should see is that this really was once a mystery. If we were alive um, before Christ's time, we would have no idea Um, But we are privileged to have such an insight into the gospel we don't have the old testament only Um, we have also its interpretation through christ and his apostles god has blessed us abundantly with such a great clarity um, of the gospel not only have we been given faith to believe as some in the old testament did have but we have a great light so that we can know exactly what we are to believe. Um, and one commentator um, said, said this, that um, the mystery um, ought to show us something of its greatness. So if a jewel, say a diamond, again, a diamond, um, is is precious because of how uncommon it is, then, how much more should we view um, the gospel as precious, um, who uh, because nobody had a clear view of this gospel for four thousand years until it was revealed after Christ. So question um, when you read this verse or verses like it, how does it make you feel? Do you think you feel the full um, glory of of what god is saying to us here i think from personal experience passages like these can tend to underwhelm me and that's a confession um, it's a shame that the most central most pivotal and the most glorious passages tend to be the most overlooked <laughs> the least appreciated and enjoyed and it's for that reason i think that paul adds in verse 27 okay. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Um, So, God has not only shown us um, merely the blueprint uh, or the formula or um, the the content of the gospel, um, but He's given us, who believe in Christ, something far uh, more important, far more um, pivotal. Um, and that is that we can see the glory of these things. Not only that we would be able to uh, recall the Gospel or explain the Gospel, but that we would love the Gospel, that we would see it as beautiful for what it is. And um, part of that is is um, seeing how much Christ loves you, seeing how much um, a weight of sin has been taken off our shoulders, seeing, Um, just uh, how precious the life uh, of Christ is that has been given up for us. Um, So do we see the glory in this message? That's one of the questions. And then, uh, of course, the second um, part of the content is uh, verse 27. To them God chose to make known How great among the Gentiles are the riches of this glory, of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the Old Testament, um, we know that God took up residence uh, with his people in the temple, um, and that was a a fantastic thing when it happened, when uh, Solomon opened the the temple up and um, God's glory came in. Uh, it was uh, something of a return back to Eden. Remember when uh, in Genesis chapter 3, God um, had uh, distanced himself from sinners because he was holy. Um, But now God uh, came to dwell in uh, the most holy place in the temple. Um, And even though that was uh, something of a return to Eden, um, it was only a shadow of that return. Um, It had not taken place yet and still has not taken place. Um, But now we have something much more full. Now it's uh, no longer God with you or Christ with you, but it's Christ in you. Um, No longer does anyone have to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. No longer is the presence of God confined to a place. Now he lives within you. Each one of us. I remember Jesus said that, um, he said, I will be with you always. How is he with you? He's in here, Each one of you. Um, But not only can he be with us closely, um, but Christ in you um, speaks of uh, his union with us. um, And how we can be saved from the wrath of God. Um, So rankin Wilborn says this, if we are united with Christ, then we are united to him in all that he has done for us. So that means that when Christ was judged on Calvary and he paid for the penalty of sin, he paid it on our behalf. It means that um, when Christ went through death and was victorious over it, he was victorious over it for us. And so Christ is everything to us, is the door, is the vine that we abide in, is the way and the truth and the life, is the bread of life that we can eat of and be satisfied, is the living water that we can drink of and find eternal life, is our great high priest. Um, who makes atonement for us? And he's God's chosen Son. If we have Him, we have everything. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Galatians 3:20, which I'm glad that you shared with us, Kevin. Um, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live. In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then finally, this access to God, this uh, living in union with God, um, which is more than just a temple, is not just for the Jews, but for everyone. It's for us who are far off, who are dead in our trespasses and sins, What once seemed to be locked away within Israel has now been offered to all people, everywhere, to us. Um, And even even still, if we were to find um, after today that we were not in Christ, um, this gospel is so accessible that we could still have the chance to turn to him and be saved. But if we are in him today, and if we remain steadfast in the gospel, then we can be comforted that we have the hope of glory. And what is that hope? What is a recovery of Eden again? But a full and complete recovery of Eden. A life without sin or pain, a restoration of all things, the hope for a better world, to live in the presence of God forever. Is your hope there? I can't look into your hearts, but I hope it is. So God has disclosed the mystery and given us the full picture. The far off have been brought near. We've been given access to Christ and the hopeless have now been given hope. Lastly, Uh, I want to talk about Paul's method, his method. Um, Now that we've seen uh, Paul's goal and the content of his message, um, the question remains, how did God reveal this mystery? What was um, the method that Paul used, having been given the stewardship of God? I think there are two answers to this question. Firstly, um, what seems to jump out is teaching, proclaiming, and mourning. And then secondly, a life of joyful suffering and toil. And this is what we can, I I hope, um, try and connect with here today. We have this gospel. um, We have the goal of maturity in Christ. um, But now, what are we to do? How are we to take this message to the world? So, firstly, teaching, proclaiming, and warning. We see this throughout the passage. Firstly, in um, verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Then verse 25, um, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. I think that speaks to his, um, uh, to his method in that um, he was teaching the word of God. Even um, if we were to try and balance teaching and, and suffering and how much each one comes out in this passage, even I think the, the um, statements on how Paul suffers and is an example for the church um, point to his desire for them to know the word of God um, because Paul's suffering um, is an end to him sharing the gospel with people he never suffered or he never taught the gospel so that he could suffer he suffered so that he could share the gospel with them and so Paul's emphasis here is ultimately on the gospel being understood so that it can be believed in And uh, i raise this for two reasons. The first is um, simply that we can always benefit from hearing of the importance of God's word. Um, We always need to be called back to um, those words of life um, and be encouraged to delve deeper into the scriptures. If Paul labored to teach, then we ought to labor to learn. Um, The scriptures must be the air that we breathe they must be a lamp to our feet and they must um, or we must learn ourselves and teach each other as a body that's partly what the body's here for to keep us accountable and to keep us growing in Christ um, but the second is uh, to express uh, something of of how we will go out and and share the gospel with the world we've we've mentioned in our um, time of prayer, the the darkness of the world, um, the the amount that the world needs the gospel and um, how it perverts um, everything that is good. That world is to change. It's um, going to be through um, um, obeying Christ, being saved um, unto him. So um, what is the point? The point is um, that when we share the gospel, um, we have to use words. Um, Words are all over this passage. Indeed, they make up this passage. Um, And I think we don't have to look far to see that Paul uh, knew that words needed to be used um, when sharing the gospel. Um, Most of us have heard that saying or adage, um, preach the gospel, and then if necessary, uh, use words. I heard that when I was at university, um, actually. And at first, I subscribed to the saying. I thought it was something, it reflected something very biblical um, and true about the necessity of um, biblical living. um, Until someone challenged me that the idea doesn't come from the Bible, uh, that we don't need to use words. Um, The gospel demands that we respond with faith in Christ and his finished work and call on him for salvation. And because of that, if our witness is confined to our good works um, and is not then expressed in a verbal declaration of something um, that is the work of Christ, then what can the people do but imitate her good works and trust in that? Um, all they can do is be good like you, and that won't save them. Now, the, your good works might prompt them to ask you, What's the reason for the hope that you have? And, and Peter does mention that. Um, but if um, that, that then requires you to explain the gospel, and if there is no explanation of the gospel, there is um, no Christ in you, there is no hope of glory. We read in this uh, something similar in Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 14 to 17. I'll read that briefly. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul says, "How then will they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe?" in him of whom they have not heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So if Paul's focus was um, not proclaiming uh, Christ with his mouth, then the world would be just as dark as it was before the gospel went out, before the lights went on. Um, Our calling, the Great Commission, is to keep the world light. To send out the Gospel with words. A few verses um, to think about, Acts chapter two, verse fourteen, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. acts four, verse twenty nine. Uh, this is when the um the Christians were praying. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. Acts 17, verse 2, And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. And then Ephesians 1:13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And so um, we must use words. And um, Paul saw teaching and doctrine as essential um, to sharing the gospel. We do God a disservice when we leave it out. But then secondly. Um, also important is uh, joyful suffering and toil joyful suffering and toil and this is um, i think the verse that many people know verse 24 Um, now i rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh i am filling up what is lacking in christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church so that First of all, that phrase, filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, often sends alarm bells in most people's minds because it doesn't sound right. Uh, It sounds like there was something lacking in Christ's sacrifice. Um, Certainly, Paul, after having laboured to um, confirm for us that the gospel is sufficient, that nothing needs to be added to it, isn't going back on those statements. Um, It is fully complete and effective and entirely sufficient. But what he means by filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions um, is that there is something lacking, and that is the presentation of Christ's sufferings to the people who need to hear the gospel. So um, God intends um, for people not only to hear um, about the gospel, but to also see the gospel and to experience the gospel. That when we go and share the gospel with someone, that they would experience Christ's love for them in the way that we love. Them. Or that they would uh, see the nails in Christ's hands in, in the same way that we suffer and and undergo um, ridicule, mocking, um, all manner of suffering so the gospel can be made known so that people can know about Christ just think one in seven Christians suffering those people are not staying quiet about their faith some of them have to be a little bit quieter I suppose I should say that Um, but they share the gospel because they want others to know about Christ Um, And remember as well, verse 25, where Paul says that he wants to make the word of God fully known. I think this is an aspect of how the gospel is made fully known. Um, Without suffering, it may only be partially seen. But when we join the words of Christ, with the sufferings of Christ in our own body, um, then we fully display the truths of the gospel. And the question is, are we demonstrating the fullness of the gospel? Are we like Paul going out and declaring it completely and fully? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, some of you may know this quote, said when Jesus bids a man to come and follow him, he bids him come and die. God calls each one of us to come and die. We would let go of our selfish pursuits, which we struggle with, which we wrestle with. We give up our lack of comfort, our fear of pain, our fear of losing security, that we would simply live for Him or die for Him. Are you following that call? Have you taken up your cross? to live for the church and for the gospel or has it become too hard is it too difficult and secondly have you done it joyfully because that's also something that is essential to paul's sufferings i rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and he didn't rejoice in sufferings themselves but in the fruit that they um produced for the church for their sake he was able to suffer. He was able to teach and encourage them in the gospel. And for that, he rejoiced. For Paul, he was probably, I would say, um, beaten down by more sorrows than all of us put together. And you read about what he went through in Second Corinthians. And he did feel the weight of it. It didn't just bounce off him. But he took that pain to the Lord and entrusted it to him. And if you were to talk with Paul, I think um, he wouldn't focus much on his sufferings, and, in fact, he would rejoice in them quietly and glory in the fruit that they brought for the church. Paul wouldn't complain. He would smile. You see, Paul knew that every scar today, every difficult thing we endure, is a reward from Christ on his return. What are the things that you have to endure? What are your scars? Have you taken them to Christ? Are you rejoicing like Paul is rejoicing? Paul shows us that his aim was uh, to make the word of God fully known and to present as many as he could mature in Christ. He's shown us that the glory, uh, he's shown us the glory of the gospel and explained the mystery and the way we ought to encourage others in it, which is to teach, to explain, use words, share the gospel with our neighbours, with our friends, um, with each other, especially, um, that we would make sure our conversation is filled with um, not only simple small talk but the things of the gospel um that there'd be an aroma about us where we desire to talk about the things of god where our goal is evidently like paul to seek each other's maturity not that we have the responsibility to present each other to god mature that's a bit different but Is that a desire? It's certainly Paul's desire. And um, one more thing to close. I think uh, this is particularly uh, pertinent to uh, the men among us. Um, I think we have a greater responsibility to carry these things. Um, Deacons and elders are officers for men. Um, men are called to leave their homes. Um, and I think with our elders in our church, the closest thing that we can get to is, is the men among us standing up, teaching, suffering, and leading the way in these things. So are we doing those things? Is our goal the maturity of others? Is our message clear? Is it is it a mystery? Or have we made it known? Are we um, making that light to shine and, and are we suffering um, for each other? So let's uh, pray to close. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that you would indeed sink these truths into our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray um, that we would have an earnest desire to share your gospel, to make known the glory of the mystery. Lord, we thank you that the mystery is no longer concealed in your perfect holy will, but, Lord, you have disclosed it for all to see, and particularly for us, Lord, you have given us eyes to see its glory. You have not left us in darkness, but you have been a light to us, the light of life. Lord, I pray that you would equip us um, and transform us to be people who follow the passion of Paul and who serve each other for our maturity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.